Welcome to a football show, Victory Monday edition. One of us, Zach, is live from the pharmacy in East Nashville, of course, after a Titans win, sort of, over the Washington Commanders. My name is Braden Gall, and I am somewhere along the Atlantic seaboard. Zach, how are you, sir? H- happy Victory Monday, sir. It is a literal Victory Monday in more ways than one. Alabama won, Un- University of Tennessee won in convincing fashion, and is continuing week in and week out to prove me right. And the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> of course, won. We will not be talking about the Memphis game today. Oh, no, that's, yeah, we can avoid that. We can avoid that. Of course, lots of stuff to do today on the show. The Tennessee Titans do win, and we will celebrate. There are things that are good about this team that it's important for us to celebrate. Take time, take a few minutes to say, look, this is happening, this is good. This is happening, this is good. There's also plenty of things to be concerned about as well. Uh, if you'll notice... I am not sitting at my house or at the pharmacy. Zach is live at the pharmacy, of course, in East Nashville, drinking. What are you drinking on there, big man? The Oktoberfest, and I'm doing it in a DOS boot. I lucked out today. They accidentally poured an extra (laughs) liter of beer, and so they brought it out to me in a DOS boot. Uh, I am uh, drinking uh, just just a Modelo, just a regular old Modelo, no free shouts, of course. Uh, And I'm wearing my Mike Vrabel victory shirt from Steel, of course. Definitely a free shout. Love their gear. If you ever notice what Mike Vrabel is wearing at all of his press conferences, it is a company called Steo. So now let's do some paid shouts after the pharmacy. Of course, if there's lots of people there behind you hanging out, having a great time, there's a mu- there's music going on. People are having burgers and beers. There's a soda. This may be the biggest crowd yet. It may not look like it from the camera angle because you know we're close closer in on yeah. me. But there is a lot of people here. It is it is because I am not there that people decided to come out and hang out with you. That is exactly what it is. I again I I, un- I have the unfortunate struggle of being in this beach community here <laughs> for the show today. Hard life, hard life. <laughs> Listen, the struggle is real. Uh, and of course, so make sure, you, make sure you swim by the pharmacy, man. Great place to take the kids lunch after work, whatever, less than 50 bucks. You can get out of there with, with a whole, a whole mess of food, brats and beers. We had brats and beers yesterday for my daughter's birthday. Happy birthday to my little kid. Uh, we, you know, happy birthday, little lady. Um, so again, didn't get a chance to she's watch. Definitely watching this on the beach, right? Like <laughs> yes, she's yes. she's gonna definitely hear that you say happy birthday. In, in between in between the snacks and the sand, uh, n- absolutely zero live streaming Titans content from uh, from the six year old today. Um, but we'll get to a lot of Titan stuff to do. Uh, we'll get to some college football as well. As you said, the Vols continue to prove you right. Alabama survives. They won Woo. though. They survived. So we'll get to all of that. A lot of stuff to do. And of course, special thanks to all of our great and amazing. Wonderful title sponsors. We mentioned the pharmacy, but also the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. If you're one, if you want to build one of these magical places, just call the Kingston Group. They can take care of you, of course. Buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. And of course, Weiss Liquors, almost a hundred years, family owned and operated in East Nashville, right there on Gallatin Pike. And uh, just Uber Eats, booze right to your house. You just search Weiss Liquors. They can send you a dust boot. They can send you some Modelo. They can send you some beer right to your house and as quickly as 20 minutes, Zach. Well, they drive so you can drink. Mm. Yes, that is what they do. All right, let's get into the Titans' win over the Commanders. Yes, it's an NFC team. It's not a divisional game. It's not a game that's going to affect the wild card, but it is critical that they get their third consecutive win. I want to make sure we, again, for three straight victory Mondays, there's lots of things that we need to discuss that aren't necessarily great about this Titans team. However, we don't want to miss the forest through the trees. They got a W. That's three straight wins. Has the chart been corrected has the course been corrected uh i i think the only person who you can say has gotten better week in and week out is derrick henry and and if you're giving out game balls is derrick henry 
Jeffrey Simmons, Tierra Tart, obviously with the, the, leading the team in pass breakups, and then Christian Fulton, who played a really great game yesterday. And they kept Terry McLaurin in check, except for everybody else forgot that Diami Brown may be actually, <laughs> you know, athletic and competent. But other than that, they did a good job of following our plan for success. When we were talking about building a win on Thursday, the defense did a good job outside of one big play, did a good job of being in position, preventing the big plays, and they did a good they just didn't follow what we said on offense. In fact, they went the complete opposite of what we said to do on <laughs> offense. But I don't want to get into the negatives. I do want to talk about Derrick Henry, and I do want to talk about the defensive performances that continue continue to be awesome. And if you want to get into the notifications, you have questions or comments for Zach to answer, of course, make sure you jump in there. Turn on all the notifications for YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that great stuff. Make sure you're listening to all the Broadway Sports Media pods, 440 pods. Sign up for an insider account as well. Stoney Keeley already chiming in here, of course, uh, of the Sobros Network. Stack, uh, stock up on the run defense in the last two games. And I know you were very high on the same game plan for this team against the commanders as it was going to be against Matt Ryan and the Colts. And it turned out the defensive line, uh, something we can actually celebrate and say positively uh, considering who's been out and considering again, let's be very clear, five starters. Again, we were optimistic on Thursday that Monty hooker was going to play doesn't play still a lot of guys out. And, and U- U- let's not forget Ugo Mati didn't play either. I, I think that this, I think this coaching staff looked at this game and they realized it was an NFC opponent. And they said, we got a bye week coming up. Let's get two bye weeks if we can, see if we can squeeze out a win. And and, and, in, and in that sense, I think they did a really good job on that side of the ball. Yeah, I, I think the defense, outside of Caleb Farley's big play, you can't walk away with many complaints outside of what happens in a normal football game, right? In fact, they this defense performed better than what you see other defenses perform on a routine basis on Sundays. You know, the Commanders were six heading into this game. They were six in the NFL in third down conversion rate. Entering week five, they were they were converting them at 43.9%. They went one in 11 versus, versus Tennessee Titans. That is insane. And the only one that they converted was 28 seconds left into the game. That's how good this third down defense has turned around from two years ago. And that is that is huge for this team that plays these games unnecessarily in some <laughs> cases in close margin victories. I, it's just it's ridiculous how good this defense is and how bad this offense is compared to what we talked about, how this all was just two seasons ago. Well, and, and they say all the time that defense is less predictable year over year when you start talking about DVOA and the statistical data. It's like it's less it's it's harder to predict exactly what a defense is going to look like. Whereas an offense, you, you see, you know, Mahomes and so on and so forth and, or the bills and their offense. And it's a lot easier to sort of consistently maintain that year over year, but it has been a freaking roller coaster for the balance on this team. Are, are you concerned about the yardage totals? I don't, again, I'm not a big yardage guy. I'm a yards <sighs> per play guy. I'm a yards per attempt guy. I'm all about efficiency. I don't, you know, if, if Matt Ryan throws for 352 because they're trailing the whole game, I don't think that's a factor. How do you feel about the fact that they've now allowed basically ev- a lot of big plays against the Giants? Josh Allen is Josh Allen. But then you also go Carr, Ryan, Wentz, just chucking it all over the place. I guess where it comes down to me is where I'm most concerned, disappointed in this 
uh, defensive backfield, specifically the cornerback room, is the amount of explosive plays allowed. Not necessarily all of them turn in touchdowns, but they do allow a lot of explosive plays. But where are the pass breakups? Where is the physical defensive players that Christian Fulton and Roger McCreary and even to a lesser extent, Caleb Farley showed in their college careers, what Christian Fulton has shown in his professional career, where are the pass breakups? And where are the interceptions? The the interceptions came from Tier Tart, Amani Hooker, David Long, and Kevin Byard. That's a big play. By two David of those Long. people, two of those people should not have <laughs> be tied for the interception of uh, uh, on this team. Landon, like, Landon Montgomery, TR Tart, DB1. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I, like I put out no, a tweet. Be, I put be. out a tweet yesterday that Tier Tart and Jeffrey Simmons are the best cornerbacks on this team. <laughs> he has a lot. Jeffrey Simmons a lot of pass breakups. Uh, yeah. Affects the quarterback. Uh, match the hand, right? Match the hand. Right. I, I mean, he, that- he had to go down, Braden, and tackle. Uh, I can't remember if it was a running back or a wide receiver, but he had to run and chase down 25 yards down the field, Jeffrey Simmons <laughs> did, to get that guy. Because let me say something. This team is lacking in the fundamentals at this moment, and that is Ooh. a very unvrable thing. Yeah. The penalties are a killer. Then you got this missed tackling epidemic that they have going on specifically yesterday, but it's happened week one and week two. It's against, ridiculous. Against Jacksonville, against Jacksonville last year, he was like bitching all yeah. the time about how poorly they tackled. Uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, because first of all, Tr Tart's interception. If you're going to lead the team with that particular play, I'm okay with that particular right. play. That play was just freaking insane. Let me ask you this, because again. Uh, celebrating daughter's birthday, no coverage of Titans games in Charleston, South Carolina. There, there's none. You can't get it. It was red zone. So I saw like Farley get beat. I saw Nick Westbrook, Akine's big play. I saw the highlight package afterward, but I didn't see it in real time. So I'm curious watching every single second. I've read a lot and I've studied the box score and I kind of know what happened. And I, and I, and I, as much as I can, I'm curious, do you come away with the W saying, all right, they were injured on defense. The offensive line is a major issue, which you're going to get to. Just broadly, Zach, do you come away from the game thinking, all right, did it, does it look better in real time or did it look worse in real time relative oh. to like me consuming just statistical analysis and recaps and, and commentary about it? Was it worse than what I'm seeing or is it we should be grateful you got a W, it's the NFL, move on and survive? Well, I guess it depends on who you ask, but you're asking me. And so I'm going to say this. This was the worst win that the Titans have had out of the last three wins. And I've been down on both these wins, lesser than okay. the Colts win. Okay. But this has been this was an ugly, lucky, sloppy win. And it's mainly because of the offense. I don't want to take anything away from the defense, but you got to remember interceptions, first off, turnovers in general are such a volatile stat year after year, but also game to game. You can't just you can't just rely on a turnover to save your ass in the final, you know, few seconds of the game. But on top of that, on top of that, if you were facing probably any about 24 other quarterbacks that played on Sunday that weren't Carson Wentz, the Titans are probably losing that game. And that's not because of the lack of effort on the defense. It's because the final nail in the coffin was a turnover and, and it was, preceding that some bad questionable decisions and throws by Carson Wentz that other quarterbacks probably wouldn't make. And, and to be honest, where he was going with the ball doesn't even make sense from the perspective of the play call itself. So they're really kind of, listen, I get it. I hate when fans hate it. 
when someone says that a team was lucky. But you got oh they, they hate it so bad. They, but you got to <laughs> take a step away from it and yeah. look how poor the offensive game plan was and how the general outside of Derrick Henry, the whole offense was and how lucky they were to face Carson Wentz of all quarterbacks in that game. Okay. All right. So a couple more real, real quickly. I know you want to talk Fulton, um, but I, any more positives? Cause again, we got a lot of stuff to get to with the Titans offensive line, the play calling. Now here's the, here's a the positive. They scored a point in the second half. They did. They scored a they, touchdown. They scored in the second and half. it mattered. And it was critical. It was critical because that was the key. Cause you're talking about a lead. I believe at the, at the half, it was 14 to 10, if I'm not mistaken, going into the half. So you only had a four point lead. And you know that the the Redskins, who are one of the best second half teams, is going to score points. Sorry, the Commanders. And then on top of that, um, James Lofton did it during the broadcast yesterday, so it's okay. You know, when the professionals get paid millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, make the mistake. I can make the mistake. Yes. You know, um, on top of that, you're one of the worst. it, It was a... It's there's nothing's changed, right? I mean, this is still a defensive led team. This is still a, a, an offense that is built on the back of Derrick Henry, who is who is. I've been putting it off because I want to see more, and I want to see more, and I want to see more. Derrick Henry is back. The, the maybe the big play hasn't been able to get there yet. The big play is coming. Derrick Henry is it when you go around and look at the league. Derrick Henry. I would say maybe there's two running backs who play with more fire and more energy than Derrick Henry is, but that's really close. And I think those guys are Aaron uh, Jones and AJ Dillon. They they are just they are fighting for every yard that they can and punching people in the mouth every chance they get. And Derrick Henry is too. Derrick Henry is better than both those guys. It takes both of them to equal oh, yeah, one yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny you bring that up because obviously we we are able to watch the Packers game on Sunday here on, on vacation, but like. I see so much of the Titans and Packers overlapping because the the skill weapons are still figuring it out. Some of them are injured. Some of them are are new. Some of them are rookies. They're not 100%. You've got a veteran quarterback, and I'm not comparing Tannehill to Rodgers, so don't at me. But you're built on the back of two. The the guys who only feel like it – like the defense is very good for Green Bay. Defense is pretty good for Titans. Titans played better yesterday. What's interesting is that I think you're right, and we talked about this before the show – Derrick Henry's the only dude, and I don't know if we're ready to go into the negatives yet because I wanted we'll to go. We'll go in. I mean, okay. Derrick Henry was my it's, last positive out of this game. He's the only guy that looks like there's a sense, and I don't like sense of urgency, is such a cliche, but Dylan and Jones are the two guys that look like they are driving the emotional, you know, train for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's just walking around out there sometimes, super lethargic. I, I see Derrick Henry doing the, he's the same thing offensive line problem for Green Bay, offensive line problem for the Titans. It feels like Derrick Henry is the only guy like stirring shit up for folks. And, right. and and Jones and Dylan are the two that do that for Green Bay. And it doesn't even look like Aaron Rodgers is doing that right now for Green Bay. I think Tannehill might actually be doing a better job of lighting a fire under his team than Aaron Rodgers is right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think Aaron Rodgers, uh, while more talented than Ryan Tannehill, is definitely like he's got that little checking out of the season kind of deal to him. Like he's not checking out of the season. He's like he can tell when he's just not can't expect too much from his wide yeah. receiving and he gets all frustrated and yeah yeah he retreats into himself what's going on with his hair by the way too like oh it, it's it's is, ridiculous i mean he's he's a balding samurai with that uh bun back there um <laughs> uh, all right you want to go negative here you want to go yeah to the negatives, you know I, line? I i well i want to talk about this oomph 
like I feel like Derrick Henry is the only person playing with a fire lit under his ass like you were talking about. There is a play yesterday that really just sticks out to me, and it was a plus play, right? Because I think it was on first or second down. And Robert Woods gets a pass, and it goes for eight yards. He could have gotten two more yards, at least the first, untouched and more, but he just kind of casually went out of bounds. And I watched the rest of the NFL slate on the afternoon games, and I watched the primetime game, and, of course, I watched you know the, the London game, all these games. Right. And I feel like these the, there is no sense of I don't want to say passion because obviously they are passionate about football, but it's about fight. I don't feel like they have fight in them. And I, I, I think that Austin Hooper can't stay off the ground. He's rolling around with every catch he makes. I think Chig has some fight, but it seems like it's like catch the ball and let's just, I feel like they're too cautious when they have the ball. There's not guys that are fighting that extra yard. Corey is it, is Davis. It new, is it the newness you think? Like, rookies I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. I, Cause I, you look around the league and you see players that are in new situations that don't care about that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, Hayden Hurst, okay? Hayden Hurst went from the Bengals or went from the Ravens as an afterthought, goes to the Bengals. If you watched that game last night on Sunday night, the primetime game, he looked like a man possessed. And Hayden Hurst is no different than Austin Hooper, who is no, he is marginally better in my mind than Slightly younger. Yeah. Like to me, it's like none of these players are living up to their potential or really. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. It's like, just get down. Don't make the mistake. Maybe they're overthinking it. But Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith, Dogs. when those guys got Dogs. the ball, it took two people to try to get them down. And that's what you see around the league. Devin Duvernay is going crazy. You see guys like Hollywood Brown, who are is one of the smallest wide receivers ever. It takes two or three guys to bring him down. Devontae Smith who yeah. is also a twig. It takes two or three guys to get him down. All these players are fighting for these extra yards, even if it's one or two, and I don't see that in this team from its pass catchers outside of Derrick Henry. So Stoney says, any chance this is a byproduct of Rabel's, quote, tight ship or do your job? I That's kind of, I don't know, but that's kind of what I feel. Well, and, and Landon says as well, Henry, the past few weeks has looked like a man on the mission. Daniel says, I really don't think they game plan too much for this game. And I that, that's unlikely, but clearly the value of this game, if you let all those guys rest for the bye week and get two bye weeks, that's clearly a strategy that they're deploying. But going back to the tight ship thing, so it's because it's funny because Robert Woods, we talked about it last week, has said the same thing that A.J. Brown has said. He says it in a different, more politically kind of couched approach. I have talked to Austin Hooper multiple times about coming into the locker room, because what I'm fascinated by with Vrabel is learning why it has worked so far, like individually on a bit, on a personal level. And so when I've talked to Hooper about this, he says, it's such a pleasure to be in here because I know exactly what is expected of me every day, every play. Here's the job. Do your job. Here's the job. Do your job. And it seems like he really likes that type of structure. I think Robert Woods has cited openly that he came to the Titans because he likes the professionalism and that the team is close to being a, a good a winner. And so I, I, how can you blame that? Like you're saying it's all just window dressing and that Mike Vrabel sold him a bill of goods when they brought those two guys in or Robinson. I, it, that's, that's hard to believe. 
But I will say this. I think Traylon Burks has that dog in him. I think he likes to finish runs. I think he likes to fall forward. I think sometimes he needs to look to get around guys maybe more. But do you think Burks has it at least? And maybe that's what they're missing is that he's out and he's the big body physical guy that wants to do that. I I, I don't know. I look at it this way. You need when that's what just th- said, yeah. I, l- I look at it this way. When you are having a rough time with the offensive line as they are, every yard matters. When you are not scoring in the second half at a high rate, every yard matters. And these pass catchers are not treating it like every yard matters. The ma- what matters is they caught the ball, they did what they were supposed to do, and we're going to get out of bounds or we're just going to fall down and not break a tackle. We, I know Robert Woods from watching games of his, both of them Buffalo and in uh, L.A. He could break tackles. Why he's not doing it, I, I can't tell you. Yeah, But that is, th- these guys that they have can physically do it. I know that Chick can do it. But obviously, if you get the ball in a situation, especially yesterday when your quarterback is taking the hits that he has taken and the Titans staff is not helping him out at all, in that situation, when you get the ball in your hands, you need to be showing some passion and be fighting in some fight. And these guys, these pass catchers, are not showing fight whatsoever. And I, and to be honest, I'm, I'm don't know what the problem is, but I'm sick of it. Okay, that's fair. That's a valid criticism. Um, I will say, and and Chris says this as well. Uh, they can't protect. Plus, they can't protect to get it to the guy. If they did have him, which is a valid complaint, because that leads to the biggest issue with with the team right now, which we've said now for eight months was going to be the offensive line. And then I saw the news. I don't remember when I saw the news. When did it, when did it break that Nate Davis wasn't going to play uh, that morning? Uh, that morning. Say, so yeah. I, I think we were watching the Packers game sitting around, probably giving birthday gifts to my daughter. And I saw the news and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like the the <laughs> they're down to one great offensive lineman. No disrespect to Ben Jones. He's a really nice player. But they're down to the one great guy that does this every time he does his job and you can count on him to do his job. And now he's out too. This offensive, I don't, here's the problem with offensive lines in football. You can find and develop receivers. You can scheme guys open. You can find even running backs. They did it last year without Derrick Henry. This goes to every team in the league. College, pro, high school, Pop Warner, doesn't matter. If you cannot block, you do not have an offensive line. You can't do anything else and you can't solve the problem. It is not a position group that you can fix throughout the course of a season the way you can do other things. And I don't know, uh, again, again, didn't get to scout, you know, Dylan Radens, who apparently played better, I guess, at right guard. I, your thoughts on the offensive line? You studied it. You saw five new bodies. With the, you know, uh, If you would have told me this was going to be the lineup <laughs> going into the season, what, Daly, Brewer, Jones, Radens? rookie (laughs) like what do you do with that group you can't fix it It, it's it's terrible and they did them no favors Braden, because you know mike Vrabel did a little lie today in his press conference on monday he said that they gave them you know they gave daily a lot of help and they gave their offensive linemen a lot of help alluding to the fact that they had chippers in there Here's the pass blocking snaps that were charted by PFF for each tight end and the fullback. Four for Swain, four for Carter, one for Hooper, one for Chig, and I believe it was one for Raider. I forgot to memorize Raiders. But 
<laughs> Kevin Rader. Yeah, Kevin Rader. Nobody really realizes whenever he's on the field. That's how bad he is. Okay, <laughs> that's out of thing. 33 pass blocking snaps, they did not help this offensive line. And on top of that, not only did they not have an extra blocker in there to help these offensive linemen, like they said they did, they called 16.1% of play action passes. The best play action, the best pass plays that they had were play action passes. Wait, and wait, they no, did the whole game? The whole game, 16.1%. They had four play action attempts. Four. It is utterly, utterly insane. It is gross negligence. It's coaching malpractice at the highest order. And, you know, we talk about halftime adjustments, and I did not know this. But in today's NFL, there's no such thing as halftime adjustments, according to Coach Mack. Oh. Coach Mack says because it's like in-game it's in-game adjustments. You are adjusting as the game goes along. It's not necessarily going at halftime. You, those Microsoft Surface tablets that Tom Brady likes to throw in a hissy fit, <laughs> those are used used for in-game adjustments to make adjustments quicker. And this is what Coach Mack said. Used to, you'd have the printout, then you'd have someone run down. That's why it would pretty much take the halftime to make an adjustment. So this staff is even worse than I thought. Like, he he kind of gave that out there because he he it, he thought he was going to make – well, maybe this was a Coach Max attention, but I believe is on Buck's show. And Buck kind of made it seem like, you know, people shouldn't be so condemnable of halftime adjustments. Well, that's even worse. That this team is not making adjustments, even though they have all the information readily available to them after a drive. This is pathetic coaching at the highest level on the offensive side of the ball. And I am I am embarrassed and disgusted, and I feel really bad for Ryan Tannehill, who is still getting the brunt of the criticism. And I will say this. Well, that makes no sense. And I will say this. Ryan Tannehill did hold on to the ball too long in crucial situations, more so than he has all year. Okay. But 15 quarterback hits, five sacks, ridiculous. And that is because this team was terrible on the offensive line. This team, this win is just further evidence that their future in the NFL for this season is unsustainable. This is an unsustainable offense as the, as the weeks go on. Do, do you think that, there are any because I, I I tend to agree that you can't really again, with the exception of health, maybe NPF getting a little bit better because he's a rookie. Davis is back out there with Jones and and Brewer. Then they start to solve some of the problems by scheming. Maybe Burks is back out there. Uh, Derek the only Henry. way to solve Brewer's issues like, is send his ass to an all you can eat buffet. And he can't fucking leave until he's three hundred pounds because <laughs> he he he's not a he's not a starting guard. And Dennis Daly's not a starting left tackle. I mean that that's your two biggest issues right there. I D Dylan Raiden's they they have to find a way to get him on the team just from that he's just not as bad as those guys. So here, I guess if you're if you're putting it all at the feet of the coaches and it's coaching malpractice, um, well, it's not all, but what is, I would say the strategy yesterday is. So let's say hypothetically, okay, Ryan Tannehill doesn't hold on to the ball too long. Derrick Henry's still running with the mission. Traylon Burks is now healthy with a healthy Kyle Phillips and Robert Woods fights for extra yards. Let's just magically solve those problems, right? Let's just say all that stuff is 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 fine. And they figure it out and by week 8, 9, 10 or whatever, all those pieces are in place and doing their jobs. 
what is the right scheme or decision or strategy from the coaching staff that you want to see that solves the offensive line issue? Well, I think play action is a big thing. Uh, let, let me look at it this way, Braden, or tell you about this. The, the Nick Westbrook-Akine play where he caught it 61 yards down the field, all through the air, right? A huge play. It's inflated Ryan Tannehill's numbers when you look at efficiency stats. But huge a, but play. A, but a critical play for the Critical game. play. But let's break down this play design real quick. Three people went out for a route. Derrick Henry, Chigokaku, and Nick Westbrook-Akine. Nick Westbrook-Akine was the only wide receiver on the field for this play. And he went deep. Chig went really deep. And then Derrick Henry went out of the flat. Your blockers are your five offensive linemen. And then you have, I believe, is Jeff Swaim and Tory Carter, who they all whiffed. They only had to block four people. Seven guys had to block four people. And two guys came through on the sack. That's a, a play call that shouldn't even be in a playbook, to be honest with you. And just because Nick Westbrook is your lone, and this is not to diss NWI, NWI is your lone wide receiver and he's going deep. Your safety valve is Derrick Henry and then Chico Conquer. You're coming yeah. out of a one wide receiver, two tight end set with a running back back there and a fullback. And that's your play design. That was pure, pure luck and guts by Ryan Tannehill to get that ball out, maneuver around the pocket and to get that ball out to Nick Westbrook, who made an amazing catch. Great, made a great play. Yeah. That's not a standard play in the NFL. That's going to work every time. And so I when think, you have that play design, you yeah. I don't I don't understand why we're still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why Todd Downey still has a job. I, <laughs> I just can't get I just cannot it all, get it all comes back, it all comes back around. Because here's really what they should be doing sending Jeff Swaim on seam routes, you know, just like probably into double coverage and just let him go make plays. Like that's that's really right. the, the solution is to let Jeff Swaim go. You gotta let your playmakers Got make you. plays. Yeah, playmakers make plays. Uh you know, you're done with your boot there, by the way. Getting close. You know, with Das Boot, you can order. And, das and boot. to be honest, I I slow played it before we went on air, so this is like all during the show. <laughs> I just opened another another one here. Uh, by the way, uh, Zach's sitting there, of course, at the pharmacy right there on McFerrin Avenue in East Nashville. The pharmacy beer garden and burger parlor. You can get brats and tots and burgers. They got all kinds of cool stuff. You can get them on Uber as well if you want. Which you can also get Weiss liquors at uber on uber as well uber eats weiss liquors booze right to your house in as little as 20 minutes of course you got the pharmacy that will deliver food they, they'd love you to come hang out in that beautiful garden back there behind zach right now that you can see if you're watching of course on the facebook and the youtube make sure you turn on all the notifications it seems like there's a lot of nice nice lovely folks out there hanging out you have to say the fashion is a, is a good b plus good b plus good b plus i will say i was out on the beach uh just a little while ago with um Oh, never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> the, fa the fashion was B plus here on uh, the Isle of Palms as well. Uh, there's no question about that. Lots, lots of wildlife, although there actually is some storm damage, which is very interesting. Like the entire beach is like halfway washed away. It's really crazy because the hurricane came through. So, uh, all right. Brought to you, of course, by the Kingston Group as well, a football show. Zach Lyons, Braden Gall here. And uh, if you want to work done on your house or you have to make a big decision about your house or a future house, make sure you reach out to them. Buildkg.com is a website. The Kingston Group. Uh, National's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. So three locally owned companies bringing you this product every single Monday and Thursday, the pharmacy Kingston group and Weiss liquors. You want to yell about Caleb Farley real fast before we move on? Well, you know, I hate it for Caleb Farley just because his athleticism is the only thing he, can, he could have hung his hat on. And 
I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's is his choice to play so far off his guy, or if it's his choice to. Um, I, I just don't get it. Nine snaps. I, I don't know if we'll ever know really the sample size of Caleb Farley, but maybe the sample size we've seen is enough. Like we'll, at this point, maybe we all need to accept it. It seems like Mike has now gone from two weeks ago to saying we got to give him a chance to two weeks now. He wants him thrown into the sun, never wants to see him again. You're so talking like about, talking about Mike Herndon, uh, Mike Herndon, yeah. And other efforts podcast. Which yeah. You can listen to he's still, he's Wednesday. still clinging to the fact that Jeff Swain is a good blocker, even though Jeff Swain was terrible. Make, make, make sure you check out Football and Other Efforts podcast featuring Zach Lyons and Mike Herndon. Everywhere podcasts are sold, apparently. Everywhere they're sold. Even if they're free. They're sold for free? <laughs> Guess what? They're still sold. Still sold. Or, well, Zach is selling you some shit, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no still got to check it out, right? You got to check it out at the cash that's register. True. That's true. So here's, here's the thing about Farley that I noticed in particular on that play, and it has always been my concern about him. Because I've always trusted like the physical skills, kind of like Mike. I kind of trust the physical skills with him. And I and we've talked about this last week. There could be a more conducive NFL role for him if he was Micah Hyde, let's say. If he was gonna run that sort of, and I don't want to say Dane Crookshank, but I mean like a true versatile weapon that can play in the slot, man up on a tight end. That's maybe, but again, it's a hybrid safety corner linebacker combination. Because on that particular play, when his hips, he turns his hips and tries to run, he, he just doesn't have the burst. He doesn't have that thing that, you like, McCreary has it. McCreary has that quick twitch ability to go from position A to position B and get there as fast as he wants to get there. And with Farley, the problem is, is the, it's, it's that short space agility, quick twitch thing that I don't think I see when I see him play. And that I think he's still a talented player that can be productive. I just think they're not putting him in the roles right now that he's capable of executing if that does that make sense well it does yes and no because at some point that this don't you think the team would have thought about that i mean sure i guess they get paid I mean, millions, I, millions of dollars you know it's I'm like just, i'm just sitting here you, you know, know mike brought up that you know maybe he's still recovering from injury and all this stuff and you know that's all well and good but at some point how long does it take you with a couple of games and a couple of snaps under your belt to get back to where you need to be I, I j- or at least to show flashes. I mean, he was supposed to be an elite athletic talent. And yesterday, even with like a 10-yard cushion, he wasn't even showing anywhere near being no, even no. an above average. So like if you're elite athletically and you get injured, shouldn't you still be above average? You shouldn't be below average. The yeah. gap for an injury recovery shouldn't be that long. The levels I, should I, not be that wide. I think the two things that we are reaching the point on that don't that no longer count are he never played corner he didn't play corner that much in college right that's a that's a that's a narrative and that he's recovering from injury I think we've reached the point now where maybe maybe the injury thing because again we're all everyone's gonna everyone's screaming right now well Lawan and Dupree needed six to eight weeks of like maybe we are going a little early on this with him for a couple of weeks but the line is not too far away though Zach even if right even if, even if you are the most ardent Farley supporter. You have to acknowledge that within the next two to three weeks, you need to see something more from him. And otherwise, he is a depth piece right now. Like he's just a yeah. depth guy on the team. And maybe he grows into something down the road, but that that that's where he is. So do, do you have any speaking of growth over the next two to three weeks? What what are the fixes? What what are what do you expect this team to do in the bye week? What do you want to see them accomplish in their time off? Well, 
at first they're going to have to fix the offensive line. And it's going to result in basically throwing away the fifth round pick in a different sense that you already threw it away, you know, giving it to Carolina for Dennis Daly. Now you're going to have to throw it away even further into the depths of hell because you're going to have to bench Dennis Daly. Does that mean that Dylan Radins is over there on the left tackle side? Oh, I don't know. But at this point, something has to happen at that left side, whether that's Aaron Brewer is gone. And I know everybody's going to say, oh, Aaron Brewer is a good run blocker. Well, who gives a flying fuck if Aaron Brewer is a good run blocker or not? At this point, run blocking isn't the issue. It's not the issue over on the right side. It's not the issue over the left side. It's not the issue in the middle. In fact, they're not running over to the left side anyway. So run blocking, his run blocking really doesn't fucking matter at this point. So at this point, you need pass protection if you want to be have any chance, any small chances it may be to be successful in the postseason or successful long-term, you have to be good at pass protection. And they are terrible at pass protection on the left side. Listen, Daly is worse than Brewer. But is Dylan Radins and Daly a better combo than Dylan Radins and Brewer? I don't know. But they have to fix it. This is the time to say, listen, we screwed up trading for a fifth, trading a fifth round pick, which is ultimately this has been the most disastrous, disastrous yeah. trade the Tennessee Titans have made. I am well, including Julio Jones, I'm including everything. Where would they be right now if they didn't have them the last three games? Though they they've won all three. You, there are other guys though. Like okay, you could have I mean, traded for Isaiah Win, right? Like Isaiah Win was supposedly on the trading block. You're good Those friends with trees. the Patriots. I mean, the palm trees. There has got to be it's someone better than a fifth round pick that's the thing is like maybe a six round pick nets you someone that is a little bit better than Dennis Daly but a little bit is all that matters you just got to get a little bit better you have to get to NFL average in (laughs) pass protection Landon says Brewer Brewer needs some pharmacy burgers for real Brewer needs to be here he needs to get a beer gut on him from Weiss Slickers and then come over here and do the same over at pharmacy, eat burgers, worse, french fries, tater tots. It go, doesn't there matter. Go, there you go. Wes says, when when does Racy and Molden get back? And I think, again, all of this is post-bye week. This yeah. is all part of the bye week fixes, the reinforcements. We talked about this last week. Reinforcements so, are coming. So hopefully Racy comes back and that fix your wide receiver issues until Burks comes back, which then will fix your wide receiver issues. Right. Like, you got to kind of wait. You know, you could go sign Will Fuller. I mean, at this point, You've already completed five games. You get Will Fuller for eight games. It's still better than what you got. And let me say something. You've already got a relationship with the Carolina Panthers trading with them because you traded for that loser, Dennis Daly, who left, who, by the way, snuck out and left the post-game press conferences and ducked everybody with the quickness. Probably didn't even get his eye makeup off. I mean, that's how quick. That is, uh, that's Bush Pathetic. And, um... Trade for DJ Moore. Listen, J Rob's not that great Ooh, with first a, round. That's a big great, move. Yeah. Listen, John Robinson's not that great with first round picks anyway. I don't care if he trades away first round pick for DJ Moore, even <laughs> if it's re- not worth it. Like if it he's even really if like good the, at trading though, generally, yeah. Outside of the Dennis Daly move, he Dennis- if the Jimmy Johnson scale does not say that this is a yeah. good move. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Trade for DJ Moore. Uh, you could still probably trade for Isaiah Wynn at this point, but then now you're trading away even more draft picks for an offensive tackle position. Yep. You know, at this point, when they go into free agency next year, they actually have to tackle this offensive tackle issue with some conviction. 
Jamarco yeah, Jones is not great. Kendall Lamb, not great. You got to you got to start going in with your head out your ass and do it and get it do a better job. I think you're right. They're doing the the nibbling around the edges thing, which normally I'm okay with if you've got starting stability. But when you lose Lawan, his future's unknown. You're playing a rookie. I agree. You like and attack it multiple ways. Make yeah. an acquisition, draft somebody, sign somebody, bring in bring in some competition. If you're all about the fight and you're all about the competition, bring all that stuff in. Uh, people are chiming in here with all these names, and it's like I. <laughs> Listen, the only thing that really matters and the only thing that could be really fixed is your offensive line. And that could be fixed either by leaps and bounds by signing Eric Flowers and trading for Isaiah Wynn. You know, you then you fix your whole offensive line or just find a spot for Dylan Radins and hope that LaRaven Clark, which Spanish for the Raven Clark is uh, able to find a spot on this offensive line. He's something. Anything's better than Dennis Daly and Aaron Brewer coming out of the bye. Because then you pretty much said, our way works. We are committed to these two guys. And, you know, we don't care what you say. Because they don't. Yeah. This this Titans team only cares about a win. They don't care how ugly it is. And they do not care that it's probably not sustainable as long as they get the W. They just don't care. That joke was as bad as my New York Mets pitching staff over the weekend. So uh, RIP, T's and P's to my New York Mets folks. I just tried to, I, I knew this was going to happen. All right, some college football here. Um, uh, special thanks to the th- the pharmacy, the Kingston Group, Weiss Lakers. Make sure you check them all out. Locally owned and operated. Uh, Alabama oh, doesn't, d- what, you okay? Well, it, it did this, it deletes stuff. Well, that's the machine. Well, I'll, I'll get a fix. You just here's, keep the, here's, the problem. here's the problem. We didn't pay the hamsters very well. And so the yeah. hamster wheel stops running every now and then. Shit. <laughs> hamster wheel's not running very fast, and so sometimes... Here's what I want to talk about. All right, so we're going to go Vols before we go Bama here. Yeah. Uh, real quickly to wrap up the show, because i got to get back to drinking on the beach with my kids, okay? So here's the deal. Tennessee, completely dominant down in Baton Rouge. Hendon, it helps when you get a, a football off the face mask on the first play, and you score a touchdown right away, and you shut that crowd up. Nothing makes... So I have so many friends and family that were down there, and I cannot remember the last time I've seen people leave at the end of the third quarter in Tiger Stadium... That is what Hendon Hooker and Tennessee did to LSU. It was an incredible performance. The, the control of the offense. Here's the deal. We stopped in Asheville, North Carolina to stop this. I think this is parent of the year kind of material here. We stopped at a brewery in Asheville, North Carolina, planned the entire trip so we could stop and watch the second half and celebrate the Tennessee win in the mountains of East Tennessee slash North Carolina. And Love it. And we watched the entire second half, had some burgers. The kids had a great time, got to run around, use some energy. They got right back in the car and took a nap the rest of the way down through Columbia. Tennessee sets up itself for a huge game at home against Alabama this weekend. They they, they got pressure on Jaden Daniels. Literally nothing you can say. No complaints about what this team did against LSU. It was complete domination. It was awesome. So I went to a uh, a. Sp- a sports bar in Gallatin because I was doing some other errands and I stopped off at the sports bar and I finished the whole game watching it and it was filled with UT fans. And you know, one guy I was sitting at the bar and this guy says, Hey, can I sit here? I says, yeah, yeah. And I moved down. He said, well, you're not gonna be able to see the big screen. You know, it had one of those big, you know, massive screens. And he goes, you're not going to be able to see it. I said, it's okay. I'm an Alabama fan. So I got some shit for that, but I, you know, whatever. But I said, I am here. I am here to watch UT win because there's nothing more than I hate than LSU and Texas A&M right now, even more than <laughs> even that. more than Auburn. I love so that. I'm here to watch them win and dominate, and they did, and good on UT. And I sent numerous texts 
preemptively setting myself up for a, uh, a Alabama loss in hopes that it's an Alabama win. Cause then here's They're what I do. Win. Tennessee's not going to win. Here's what I do. I say, Oh man, I'm really nervous about this team. And you know, you know, luckily Bryce young was held out, which we'll get to in a minute, but you know, this UT game is really good. And I've been saying all off season that I would not be surprised if UT were to beat Georgia. Well, obviously now they could beat Alabama. And I set this all up that way when they win, and these UT fans are like, well, it's expected. It's Bama. So, well, I didn't think so. <laughs> Listen, you said they could be a long Georgia. game. You can... <laughs> I like the con. The con artist inside of you is very, very talented. I appreciate that. Listen, the concerns about pressuring Hendon Hooker, they were answered, although Will Anderson's coming to town now. Yeah. Concerns about keeping a quarterback in the pocket and making sure he doesn't make a bunch of extra plays. Handled. Bunch of sacks. What about that eight minute drive they ended in a field goal? That is some good, some good coaching. Uh, listen, they, they, there is zero. Like, I, I want to have something to complain about, but there's nothing to complain there's about. There's nothing. There's uh, other than you hate that, you know, Hidden Hooker got hit and took that hit. And, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe a little iffy if he should have gone in right away. But overall, yeah, yeah. Coach Josh, and I even went back <laughs> through one of Mike's tweets. Coach you, Josh, you, you pastor dad, Josh. Yeah, Josh. you pastor uh, coach, uh, father dad, Josh. Um, <laughs> I went back through some, one of Mike's tweets because there was a big uh, to do dust up between two other media entities, uh, personalities, and about okay. the Josh Heupel hire, hire. And a lot of people were just like, you know. Initially, when he was hired, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go zero and twelve, and oh, he sucks." And Butch Jones had a better resume, and all this stuff. So I've retweeted a few of them. I just want to say, I've been on this train all off season. I think UT can legit upset Georgia, and I'm very concerned that they're going to upset Alabama. I think you should be concerned that can beat Alabama. I think this is the biggest second, the biggest second, the biggest third Saturday in October in two decades. And considering Alabama's struggles, which we can talk about, Alabama, they decide to not play Bryce Young, which I I, I thought he was going to play. I was told he was going to play. He does not play. It's sloppy, sloppy, sloppy game. A&M has talent. They play up to Alabama. Give CBS credit for putting the game on in the primetime, even though we all thought it was a stupid idea. It turns out it wasn't. The play call at the final play of the game was the dumbest thing I've ever seen, But which is like all of Jimbo Fisher's entire coaching tenure at Texas A&M encapsulated into one play. And I did get to see all of this because we got into Charleston like right as the game was starting. And so we, we we're, you know, we're watching and I just, you know, to have that many turnovers, missed field goals, mistakes, sloppiness, and to still win at like and to pressure the hell out of the AM defense. Like they still are built in a way to get after Tennessee. But here's the difference. The road element of this is what like if you're talking Tennessee can beat Georgia or Bama, Bama has not been good on the road for a year and a half now. And Neyland Stadium is going to be a zoo. It is going to be a total chaos. It's total chaos. Nausea, anxiety is all back from the Florida game. In fact, it's worse now. Give everybody Dramamine because this place is going to be absolutely bonkers. I give them a credit, actually, for winning the last two games without the best player in the country, basically. So I actually give them credit for it. They ran the ball like crazy. Jameer Gibbs was great. Like I, I actually I, – I think we're setting ourselves up for a – Heisman on Heisman caliber showdown in Neyland in front of 110. It's going to be freaking awesome. It's it's going to be one of the best Alabama games outside of you know the championship games that you've seen in a while with the the hype around it and everything. And look, 
Alabama strategy almost bit him in the ass because Milrow just had a yeah, yeah. tough go of it. And look, he's a freshman. Like, I don't think that this is an indictment on Milrow or an indictment on their strategy. This was the right strategy. Sit Bryce Young, even though Bryce Young wanted to come in so bad in that fourth <laughs> quarter and, and, you know, put this game away. But it is okay because you know the big game is coming up and you know you need Bryce Young to be 100%. Right strategy, almost wrong time. Oh, my God. you They are so lucky. Yeah. That Max Johnson wasn't the quarterback, I feel like, in this game. And and maybe it's a different tale of the tape. Who knows? Different yeah. situations, different decisions are made. I feel like th this is one of those instances where Nick Saban's strategy was right, but it barely, barely worked yeah. out for them. No, I agree. And here's what's even more interesting. And this kind of goes for Georgia, too. The back month and a half of the schedule for both these teams is looking a lot more difficult than we thought. Right. Like, Kentucky's not as good. They didn't have their star quarterback, and they lost. And Shane Beamer trolled like crazy. It was great. But Mississippi State, Georgia, and Alabama have to play both of them. Tennessee, Georgia has to play Alabama. or uh, Sorry, Georgia and Alabama both have to play Tennessee and Mississippi State. They got to play at – Bama's got to play at LSU. You know, like, there's just more tough games in the final month and a half for both of these teams than I think we expected maybe. And I think that's I think that's going to lead to some – some drama and i think it's going to be a lot of fun and i can't wait for i we, but, but to your we point, talked I, about it all year though that this was going to be the most exciting sec yeah. season and so far it is by far the best most competitive exciting sec season we've seen in a long time who would we're just constantly right i mean i just, just right. unbelievable God, we're just so right all the time um i will say who who, who knew that the the path to the hearts and minds of all of college football went through the state of Mississippi. So, oh my gosh! I mean, you are you're not mistaken. <laughs> Mississippi, a football state. I mean, come on, give me a, it is. Kansas, I mean, Kansas, and Mississippi, both football states now. And you, you got to look at way to go. It's Ole incredible. Miss. I, listen, it's Vandy, inc go ahead. Well, I'm just you know uh, one of the tweets when Josh uh, Heupel uh, got hired, Coach Josh got hired. And then, you know, in Lane Kiffin's first year, everybody was trying to get him booted from Ole Miss. Like, he wanted to leave Ole Miss so bad. All the, you know, angry UT emo fans that can't let um, Lane Kiffin go. They were they were all <laughs> projecting, saying that Lane Kiffin was going to leave. Why would he leave? First off, you got the Grove and the contents of the Grove for a guy like Lane Kiffin with his history. Yeah. Secondly... He, last, uh, you know, last year is like he was trying to do it through the air. This year he's doing it through the run. Oh, the running and he's great. being successful. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same. What the fuck? Oh, look at that <laughs> stink bug right there. Hey, stink bugs are wonderful. They're they're totally nice. Um, no, I think, I, think you're right. I, I think you're right. Yeah. The, de the defense, the defense is pretty solid. Although they gave up four straight scoring drives to Vanderbilt, the defense is solid. The running game is excellent. The quarterback is coming around. Their schedule is going to get much harder. Mississippi State dominates Arkansas. No K.J. Jefferson, a huge factor there. So the state of Mississippi is loaded right now, and Alabama has to play both of them. Georgia has to play at Mississippi They state. went and dominated teams that fun. they're supposed to dominate, right? Yeah. Like That's yeah. what we always say about the Tennessee Titans, is yep. that they some oftentimes don't go and dominate the whole matchup in the full game they against a lesser opponent. And Ole Miss and Mississippi State have done that. And really... And I still believe this to this day. Mississippi State should be undefeated. That was just a weird game. And my Ole Miss, puppies. though, my bull puppies. Yeah, let me say this: Ole Miss is is putting on a show. They 
and they're doing it through the run game of defense, which is so unlike Lane Kiffin, right? Out of all the things that are Lane Kiffin, that is not how you win games when you look back at Lane Kiffin histories yeah. as a team. And he's doing it that way. He's here for the long haul because in my mind, I'm looking unless at this with NFL, all these transfers. Unless he's an NFL coach next year. <laughs> because what did we say about this? We said that they had the most transfers in the SEC over the offseason. We said, how can Lane Kiffin's, Lane Kiffin's path to success is to get these transfers to buy in the culture quickly and to put them to use. And that's what he's doing. And he's doing it at a high level. These are two teams that if you're facing them down the stretch, I'm out. Like, I do not want to face these teams down the stretch. And I know Alabama has to face Mississippi State, which Nick Saban has lost to Mississippi State a lot more than he should. Also, uh, Ole Miss's best team they've ever played this year is Kentucky. So let's just be uh, – that's not a bad football team. Yeah. But Ole Miss still has not played any of the tough games on their schedule. So right. they're, very, they're very good. Lane's very good. I think Mississippi State's the more complete team, but my God, that Egg Bowl, folks, is going to be insane. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And Tennessee, Must see TV. all these teams in the second tier now, right? Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, they're all going to play Bama and Georgia, and that is yep. what's going to make for a super fun final month of the season. I got to get back to the beach, Zach. What else we got to talk about here, man? I That's got stuff it. to do. I got some beer to drink. I got some oysters to shuck. I got shit to do, man. Are we going to surprise everybody with who's going to be on Thursday? Because since you will not be on, or we, I, or you want to make an announcement? I'm actually taking the day off on Thursday, but we will have a far more talented, far smarter host filling in for me. You guys are going to have a great show. It's going to be awesome. 1 p.m., of course, turn on the notifications. Make sure you do all the great stuff on, on Twitter and Facebook. Share the show. Tell somebody about it. Of course, that's we really, really appreciate it. And support local businesses. Pharmacy, Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors, Broadway Sports Media, 440 Sports. It's just one big happy family, Zach. Even on a team that we don't necessarily love what we see, it's still a victory, and it's still a great place to go have a beer and a burger at lunch on a Monday at 1 o'clock over there at the pharmacy. So it's make sure great. you go swing by. Uh, check out the pharmacy, of course, right there on McFerrin Avenue. Kingston Group, buildkg.com, Weiss Liquors, Uber Eats, the booze right to your house. Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, have the booze delivered right to your house in as little as 20 minutes. They drive so you can drink. Awesome. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Share the product. Tell everybody about it. We'll be back on Thursday. For Zach, I'm Braden. That's been a football show.